Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Welcome to the last week of At The Movies. You guys enjoyed this series so far. Man, I've had so much fun sharing these messages each week. It's always cool to see so many new families attending our services and hearing the gospel in a relevant and, and powerful way, and then seeing 51 people come to Christ over the first three weeks of the series. Man, we just want to celebrate all that God is doing. As you can see, our movie today is American Underdog. Uh, I don't get the opportunity um, to go to the theaters as much as I would like to. Um, But this is one of the movies that I did make it to the theater to watch this movie. And let me just ask real quick, how many of you have seen this movie? Raise your hands real high. All right, so we got a few hands. Uh, Last week when I asked that for the 9 o'clock Spider-Man, how many liked it? There was two hands that went up. I thought, man, we've really got ourselves in a hole that we're going to have to dig out of. Um, It looks like many of you have seen the movie. You're you're at least familiar uh, with the story. Uh, I love this movie because, number one, I am an NFL junkie. I am an NFL fan. I like football on Sundays much better than Saturdays. I know. That's what I thought. Um, and, and so I love the NFL and for me and my family Sundays, like the best Sunday is when we have great church, two amazing services, and then we get a giant spread of food. Come on y'all, a bunch of food. And then we sit back and we watch a lot of our favorite teams play on Sunday. Um, I like watching the Washington commanders don't throw anything. Oh, wow. Got some, got some family. I found my people. Um, some of y'all are like, who's the commander? Don't ask. Uh, I ain't got time to go through who the commanders are. I'm not sure who they are. They don't know who they are. Um, but not only do I love the commanders, I, I love underdog stories. Just last week, uh, after the commanders won, by the way, yeah. We sat in our TV room and we watched an underdog team, the Cleveland Browns, defeat the San Francisco 49ers. It was the upset of the week. Like it was not supposed to happen, Uh, but it did happen. Do I have any Cleveland Brown fans? I feel like I I see all of y'all back there. They all in one, we got the dog pound in the house. They're here. You may ask this morning, what is an underdog. What is an underdog? An underdog is someone whose chances of winning or succeeding are very slim. And I love an underdog story. Many times I have felt like the underdog in life. But this movie about Kurt Warner is about much more than just football. It's about football relationships and adversity and so much more. And the movie tells the story of NFL legend Kurt Warner and his wife Brenda. And Kurt loved football, and his dream was to play the game at its highest level, which is the National Football League, the NFL. 
And I read this stat some years ago, and I found it very interesting for all the college football fans out there. Um, I, I get it. I, football's awesome no matter what level. But the stat was showing that 96% of college football players are not good enough to play in the NFL. So only 4% of them that play on Saturday are even good enough to play for a team on Sunday. And that shows you how hard it is to make it to that level. But this was Kurt Warner's dream. These are the best athletes in the, in the world. And after years of going undrafted, Kurt Warner had no other choice other than stocking shelves at a local grocery store. But he never stopped fighting for his dream. He never stopped having faith. And so in the movie, we're going to get to see his relationship with his wife, Brenda. She's a divorced mother of two, and she has trust issues because life has been tough. In the movie, not only do we see Kurt and Brenda's relationship, but we see the bond that Kurt develops with her son, Zach, who is legally blind. We see throughout this movie that Kurt's relationship with football also intersects with his relationship with God. We see him endure hardships while pursuing his dream. It really is the story that most of us can relate to. We all know what it's like to have a dream, to have a goal, to have a vision for our life, but time keeps ticking away, and sometimes our dream is yet to be realized. And with that being said, I just want to put it in the atmosphere this morning. What is your dream? Is your dream to discover your calling? Is your dream to be debt-free so that you can travel the world? Is your dream to have a family? Is your dream to see your family saved or your children saved? Is your dream to launch a certain business that God has put on your heart? What is your dream? And if you have a dream that is unfulfilled, life has probably labeled you an underdog. But I believe you, just like Kurt Warner, already have everything you need to make that dream a reality. Kurt Warner has a dream to play in the NFL, but being a college quarterback is harder than it seems. It's a powerful statement he makes at the last part of that clip. Why would God give me a dream that is never going to come true? That's just cruel. Maybe you have felt that way before because you recognize you have the talent, the passion, the idea, the determination to do something, but there are consistent obstacles always in front of you. Today, I want to talk to you about another underdog in Scripture. It's about a woman by the name of Rahab. How many of you have ever heard of Rahab in Scripture? Come on, raise your hands. All right. Some of you, most of you know who Rahab is. The Bible is not filled with just super holy men and holy women of God, but it's actually full of deeply flawed people. It is filled with liars, cheaters, master manipulators, and people who tried to obey God but fell short like many of us. Rahab's story is no different. It's a scandalous story. And if you remember the story, you know that Joshua is the leader of the Israelites, and we know that Israel is God's chosen people. And they are about to enter the promised land after wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They're finally about to cross the Jordan and conquer Canaan. And there's just one problem. And the one problem is, is that Canaan is filled with the enemies of God. 
And the first place they need to conquer is a place called Jericho. And Jericho is a godless place. It's a very dark and wicked culture. And because they are enemies of God, Joshua sends spies into the city to assess their strengths before going in. And this is where we find the story of Rahab. Joshua chapter 2, verse number 1, it says, Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shedem. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Now, let me just stop and say that escalated rather quickly. Let me introduce you to Rahab, the prostitute. In Hebrew, one of the Hebrew meanings is broad. She is a prostitute. I don't have to give you a whole lot of info on that, but just so that we have context this morning, her job was to sell sex. She was morally corrupt. Let's go ahead and agree. Rahab is an underdog. She had little chance of winning, little chance of succeeding. And many prostitutes during this time, they were either slaves or former slaves. And before you judge her too harshly, let me just throw a question out at you. Why would a woman willingly sell her body for sex? And the answer, as you read through the story of Rahab, is that she had a family to support. She had no husband, and she was trying her best to survive. She is simply trying to make ends meet. Obviously, she could have found probably a more productive way, but we got to continue reading the story. In Joshua 2, verses 2 and 3, it says, The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. So Rahab is trying her best to feed her family. She has this dream that her family will be taken care of, and she is faced with a choice. Tell the truth and side with the king, or tell a lie and side with the Israelites. And as an underdog, many times you feel that you are in this spot where your back is literally against the wall. That life has a way of throwing obstacles at you to produce tension. And this tension will oftentimes require a decision to be made on your part to work through the obstacles in order to achieve your dream. And this was true for Rahab, but it was also true for Kurt Warner. He graduated college, but he went undrafted. And during this time, he meets his future wife, Brenda, and they start dating. And they decide not only to test the relationship, but to also to pursue their dreams. Brenda has a dream to be a nurse, but she's a single mom with two kids. Kurt has a dream to play in the NFL, but has no job and no NFL prospects at this point. And many times, with Kurt Warner, Brenda, with you and I, with Rahab, we have to make a decision between pursuing our dreams or just giving up. You got to do what you got to do until you get to do what you want to do. This was a choice that Kurt and Brenda had to make, that we got to do the hard thing now while we pursue our dreams. 
They had to make hard choices while waiting. And Kurt is literally working the graveyard shift, stocking shelves, and Brenda finally started nursing school. They're both pursuing their dreams, but the process of pursuing those dreams is tough. Kurt is stocking shelves at night and training in the day to make this dream a reality. He never stopped practicing. If we get back to our story of Rahab this morning, Rahab understood that sometimes you got to do what you got to do until you can do what you want to do. She's in a tough spot when the king sends the message to Rahab about the spies. In verses 4 and 5 of Joshua 2, it says, But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. Now, you got to picture this story as the soldiers bust through her doors of, of Rahab's house, and they question her about these spies that she had hid in her home. And Rahab responds by saying, I don't know. And, and here we are again. If you were Rahab, would you side with the king of Jericho or would you side with the Israelites? But we first got to remember that this whole city was dark and it was wicked, so what do you do? In Rahab's case, she decided to lie. Now, before anybody leaves church today and says, Pastor Chad says that being a prostitute is a good thing and lying is a good thing, the Bible does not say anything that would praise what she did or excuse what she did. Can I get an amen? Did everybody just hear the disclaimer? All right. Because somebody, that's all they'll get out of the whole message. Here's what we do know. Her lie saved the men's lives and her lie saved her life and her family's life. Am I condoning lying today? I am not, all right? I am telling you an underdog scripture or an underdog story from scripture. We know that this lie saved the men's lives of Israel and it saved her family. Because had she been honest with the soldiers, honest with the king, not only would she have died, but they would have killed the spies as well. But in verse number six, it says, but she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. Now in this line and and not being honest, we can also see that Rahab is, there's something she knows that everybody else doesn't know, and she is showing some courage and some bravery. The question is, is why is she doing this? The next verses tell us the answer. Starting in verse number eight, it says, before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, here it is, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. 
We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. How many know that when God moves that even a prostitute that's known for lying can recognize who the real God is. This is why she's telling the lie because she understands there's a God I don't know yet, but I want to know him. And so she makes this incredible statement of faith. She is speaking about the future like it is already done. You know what the Bible calls that? The Bible calls that faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Rahab is speaking boldly on things that haven't happened to them, hasn't happened in her life yet. And she says to the men, the Lord's your God. And in this moment, she has a moment of clarity and faith. And she is saying that your God is no ordinary God. This pagan prostitute is risking everything for a God that she didn't know yet. And I love this. And I want you to see this point this morning. When life labels you an underdog, faith crowns you a champion. I want to say that one more time. When life labels you an underdog, faith crowns you a champion. She had seen a lot, but she had never encountered the God of the Bible. Only through faith are you and I empowered by the Holy Spirit to go after God-given dreams, to walk through adversity, and to champion our way towards a dream that God has given us. And that is exactly what Kurt Warner did. On his way to pursuing his dream of being an NFL quarterback, he's introduced to faith by Brenda. Brenda had been through a lot. Her first husband, Brad, was cheated on her while she was pregnant. And her son, Zach, became legally blind after Brad dropped him on his head. And he didn't tell anyone for 24 hours what had happened. And through all these challenges, Brenda held on to her faith in God. And then she begins to share that faith with Kurt. It's a powerful scene, but later in the movie, we see Kurt telling Brenda, I want what you have. I see your faith, and I want what you have. He eventually becomes a follower of Christ, and this is the message of American underdog. But the story is not possible without faith. And biblical faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It is a confidence that what God said will come to pass. It is faith despite hardship. It is faith faith in the face of adversity. And this is important because life will throw adversity in our direction and hardship hardship our way. John chapter 16 verse number 33 says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. This is a promise from Jesus. He was telling his followers that trouble will come. Adversity will come. That's a given. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Sometimes you don't see 
uh, the phone call coming to let you know that someone was in an accident, you didn't see that coming, or the job loss, or the divorce, or the diagnosis that catches you off guard. And the question then becomes, how do you keep going when you're chasing a dream, but adversity keeps coming your direction? And I'll tell you how you keep going. You do that through faith, but not just any faith. You do it through a persevering faith. It's a faith that is built over time, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. It's the kind of faith that when you feel like giving up, you continue to trust in God. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Faith always overcomes. That doesn't mean that it always overcomes immediately. Sometimes God will allow us to go through seasons of hardship from time to time. He will allow you and I to walk through difficult seasons in our life. And you may ask this morning, why would God allow a difficult season to come into my life? And a lot of times the answer to that, to that is because God is trying to develop your character and he's trying to build your faith. And while you're in that season of struggle, in that season, season of hardship. Some may even call it a season of pruning where God is cutting some things back. The key is to keep my eyes on Jesus. After years of living a life of sin and darkness, Rahab gave her best yes to God. And this yes saved God's people and her family. And watch this, she had a dream for her family. We find it in verses 12 and 13. It says, now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. In other words, Rahab's dream was that her family would be saved. When was the last time you prayed for your family like that? Because notice, at this point, she could have negotiated money. She could have negotiated uh, land, possessions. There's a ton of things that would have been on the table to negotiate at this moment. But what she requested was that her family be saved and her request was rewarded. In verses 14 and 15, it says, our lives for your lives. The men assured her, if you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She led them down by a rope, and let me just say, given her profession, this was probably not the first time she had let a man out the window with a rope. Come on, smile at me this morning. The spies escaped and were saved. And if we look back at our movie, Kurt Warner spent years, years, stocking shelves, and training while no one was watching and no one was concerned with his process. He eventually landed a job playing arena football. And this was like football that looked more like a circus. They played games in a barn. And I'm sure he often wondered in this season, how in the world is this going to translate 
to playing in the NFL, but it did. It was, he was so good at arena football that the St. Louis Rams invited him for a tryout. Now, let me just say this before we watch this clip. Most of the coaches did not believe in Kurt Warner, but one coach did. Destiny belongs to the underdog. I don't know if that does anything for you, but that movie makes me want to go play a game of football. Anybody ready? <laughs> I am ready to go play. I love what the coach said to him when he gave him a shot. He said, destiny belongs to the underdog. And in 1999, the St. Louis Rams starting quarterback, Trent Green, tore his ACL, which meant that Kurt Warner, this undrafted underdog, would have to step into, the, into starting for one of the most complex offenses in the history of the NFL. It was known as the greatest show on turf. And Kurt Warner did the unthinkable. He led his team to a Super Bowl championship that year. He was league MVP and Super Bowl MVP. And just a year before that, he was stocking shelves in a local grocery store. How many know when God gets involved, all things are possible? As the worship team joins me on the platform, I want to wrap this up, and we're going to get back to Rahab. But I want, I want you to know this about Kurt Warner. This wasn't like a one-hit wonder. Kurt Warner played in two more Super Bowls, won league MVP again, and he also got one of those gold jackets. He is a Hall of Fame NFL quarterback. Now, Rahab, with this red rope, she leads us right in to the story of salvation. After Israel invaded Jericho, she was married. Everybody say, Rahab got married. All right, some of y'all didn't even know that. Rahab got married to a man by the name of Salmon. And Salmon made an honest woman out of Rahab. They had a son. I don't know if you knew this, but she had a son named Boaz. And Boaz married a woman by the name of Ruth. Ruth had a son named Obed. And Obed had a son named Jesse. Jesse had a son named David. You guys know where I'm going with this. Rahab became the great, great, great grandmother of King David. This woman of the night became a woman of royalty. Somebody ought to give God a praise right there. I'm telling you, you can be an underdog story. When you turn over to the book of Matthew in the New Testament and it continues to lay out this genealogy that Salmon and Rahab had a son named Boaz. Boaz married Ruth. They had a son named Obed. Obed had a son named Jesse. Jesse had a son named David. And David is the same line that our Messiah, our Savior, Jesus is from. This woman of the night became a woman of royalty and eventually becomes the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus Christ. That's what God can do with a person's life. We're not done yet because just like the NFL Hall of Fame for its superstars, the NFL has a Hall of Fame for its superstars. The Bible has not a Hall of Fame, but a Hall of Faith found in Hebrews chapter number 11. And in this list of superstar Bible characters uh, that are superstars in the kingdom of God, there are only two women that are listed in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11, and one of them 
is the prostitute named Rahab. In Hebrews 11:31, it says, By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. When life labels you an underdog, faith crowns you a champion. Can you give Jesus one more hand clap this morning? Come on, as you stand to your feet all over the room. I want you to take just a minute. I want to do a couple of things with this altar call, but I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. And I don't know where your story has brought you today and how you landed in this room with us. We're super glad you're here. But maybe you identify with Kurt Warner. Maybe you identify this morning with Rahab, that your life has been tough, to say the least. And maybe you feel like an underdog. But as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, no one looking around, I want to speak to the people in the room. And maybe you not only feel like an underdog, you know that you're not right with God. You and Jesus are not on the same page. And you know in order for your story to change that the first step for that story changing is making a decision to follow Jesus. We want to give you that opportunity this morning to make things right with God, whatever that may mean for you. Maybe you knew God in one season of your life and for whatever reason you have turned your back on your faith and turned your back on Jesus and, and this is an opportunity for you to come back into relationship with Jesus or maybe you have never known him as your savior. We wanna give you that opportunity right now. If that's you and you say, Pastor, you're talking to me, I wanna make things right with God, I need to be saved, I wanna make a decision to follow Jesus. If that is you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor, you're talking to me. I want to make things right with God today. Anyone at all? I see that hand. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? You say, that's, that's me. I want to make things right with God. Anyone at all before we pray? Anyone at all? I want us to pray out loud together, every voice lifted, say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, to save me, to forgive me. I choose to follow you. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand clap right there. Now, I felt it in the room earlier as we were singing, Something Has to Break. I sense because the second part of this altar call is for every person who feels like your faith needs to be strengthened today. I believe that the Holy Spirit is in the room to strengthen your, your faith. We're going to sing about King Jesus in just a second. But I'm going to ask that the staff and prayer team come forward. We're going to open up these altars. And if there's an area of your life that your faith needs strengthened, you're believing God for a miracle. You're believing for that cancer to be healed. You're believing for that diagnosis to be changed. You're believing for that situation to be turned around. Listen, we don't do altar calls and then everybody say, I, I need God to do a miracle. I need God to change this. I need God to fix. And then we open up the altars for you to stay seated. We, we, we're not doing it so you can stay in your seat. We're doing it to give you an opportunity. You say, why do I need to come forward? Because sometimes faith requires a step. 
Faith, listen to me, faith is not I believe it. Faith is action. Faith is taking a step toward what you believe. These altars are going to be open, and whatever you need prayer for today, we want to put our faith with your faith, and let's believe God to move in this place like we've never seen before and for lives to be turned around. If you believe it, give Jesus one more praise as the worship team leads us. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.